amazing human beings. This is Luke Radowski and Tim Pashout here for another episode of Change the News Channel. A lot of updates, a lot of things happening. I, of course, will be talking about the social, political aspects and just a little context because of what's happening economically, especially with what Tim has to share with us is just a lot crazier than, of course, all the other virus stuff that you're hearing about in the news. But, of course, there's a lot of headlines, a lot of distractions, a lot of fear out there. Uh, but that's why it's important to take a look at the news in a rational, calm way. But one of the biggest stories that just popped off moments ago is, of course, the news that Harvey Weinstein, yes, convicted sex offender Harvey Weinstein, has been tested positive for the coronavirus in a New York State prison. This is major news, but also raises the question, why, why, out of all the people who need tests, since there's a lot, I know a lot of people who are showing a lot of serious symptoms, they can't get tested. Uh, a lot of the testing has absolutely, totally halted in New York City. Only people who are admitted to the hospitals now, most of them are being tested only. Uh, why is Harvey Weinstein getting tested for all of this when everyone can't get uh, the tests? Um, again, some people are saying that this is, uh, something to really keep a close eye on. U.S. Senator Rand Paul also tested positive for the coronavirus with, of course, many people anxious and afraid on Capitol Hill, thinking that they might have been exposed to it as well. There was a lot of fake news around the Rand Paul incident saying that he somehow knew that he got it and still continued to go to the barber shop and the gym. But of course, uh, that information was not corroborated and was fake news that was released specifically about U.S. Senator Rand Paul. But of course, a lot of people, celebrities, politicians are being tested while everyone else uh, doesn't really have uh, that luxury to know if they have this new coronavirus or not. But a lot of information is coming in right now. And also the fact that close to 100,000 people have now fully recovered from this virus. But there's other doctors who were warning that this is actually just the calm before the storm, as of course many people expected the numbers to rise dramatically in the United States as some very important decisions are going to be made very soon. Donald Trump also just tweeted moments ago, quote, we cannot let the cure be worse than the problem itself. At the end of the 15-day period, we will make a decision as to which way we want to go. Wow. Uh, very, very big news. Very, very important decisions going to be made by uh, Donald Trump. But again, a lot of the things here are unknown. I've been saying this problem has been uh, something that we could have avoided if we've been taking it seriously. The Democrats didn't take it seriously. Donald Trump didn't take it seriously. The mainstream media didn't take it seriously. Uh, really, just some experts and, and some independent media and, and very few mainstream media were, were telling you from the very beginning of this, hey, this is serious. We have to make sure we take all the precautions here to make sure that we are safer rather than sorry. Well, now a lot of people are sorry. There's a lot of major implications and a lot more implications coming ahead, in my opinion. Even though a lot of people are recovered, I'm, I, I believe the sentiment of that doctor saying that the worst is still yet to come. And again, anything is, is possible here. Our world has been completely flipped upside down. Our way of life has been paralyzed. Our economy has been paralyzed. Our uh, just existence has been totally uprooted. And, and a lot of people, sadly, are paralyzed with fear, which, again, 
we don't have to be. There's a lot of things I'm going to be going into in the, the main video on We Are Change, uh, just specifically about this topic later on today. But again, uh, keep your eyes and ears open. A lot of people are talking about martial law. A lot of people are already seeing the troops. And as we've been telling you, the military has been preparing for this for a while. There's even a four-star general who, you know, it, it, again, has been trained, has been uh, put together, has been organizing for this very moment. Continuity of government, which again, we've been telling you is on the table here, especially as representatives like U.S. Senator Rand Paul get sick, infect other members, and might be put out of commission. There's already be there's already arrests being made of people who are not listening to the quarantine, specifically in New Jersey. And again, all options are here on the table. But as we've been telling you, the economic news might surpass the devastation of this virus with especially the insane actions that are happening right now the qe programs the bailouts the the, the fuel the pumping of money into the the private sector is is absolutely insane as of course the government has forced small businesses private businesses to shut down and they're issuing billions and billions of dollars to whom well we don't even know the 500 billion dollar program that uh, was supposed to pump money into the economy has $450 billion exempt from disclosure. That means the majority, 90% of that money, we won't know where it went to. And of course, everyone is asking for a handout, including Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, who has, who, again, there's a big fight about even just providing uh, sick leave to his workers. Uh, but Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos want $5 billion. The hotel industry is requesting $150 billion. Restaurant industry, uh, $145 billion. Manufacturing wants $1.4 The beer industry wants $5 billion. Again, and everyone's lobbying to help out special interests while the average person gets screwed. And now the Fed just announced unlimited corporate bonds, which is just, I, I think, just the, the ushering in of a centralized economy that uh, is, is going is to breed hyperinflation. Tim, you're the expert on, on, on this stuff. Uh, doesn't look optimistic. No, Luke, it does not look optimistic at all. And I, will, I just want to say that this is pretty much the event that I was waiting for, is that when the government is not the, really the government, the Federal Reserve is coming in and stepping in and buying everything. Just take a look at this headline. The Federal Reserve just pledged asset purchases with no limit to support the markets. And so, you know, as we're going down over here, I mean, they're, they're basically saying they're going to come in, they're going to start buying corporate bonds, they're going to start buying muni bonds, they're already, they've already been buying treasuries, buying mortgage-backed securities. And this is something where the pace of, of what they're doing is just, is just really just stepping up ra rapidly. I mean, they went from doing a, you know, $40 billion of repo, uh, you know, a month to, and then they have another $60 billion uh, a month program. And now that's been ramped up from $60 billion a month all the way to the Fed will purchase $125 billion in securities. Wait for it every day, every single day this is going to be going on. So in short, every single day, the Fed will purchase $75 billion in treasuries and an additional $50 billion in BMS for a total of $125 billion every day or an unprecedented $625 billion for the week. Now, if you go back, I mean, this is, I had a video called The Perfect Storm is Brewing, I think it was May 2018, saying that there's no way the Fed can sell $50 billion a month. So it went from, from them BSing us saying, oh yeah, we can sell $50 billion a month and we can get our balance sheet down to zero. And instead, not only is it not getting down to zero, now it's, it's, it's hockey stick, J-curve, 
going to the sky. It's going to be, you know, a $5 trillion balance sheet, then a $10 trillion balance sheet, $20 trillion balance sheet. They're going to come in and own everything. And why this is important is the Federal Reserve is a private institution, a private institution that actually gets, I, I forgot if it was either 6 or 7% of all the interest of all the debt. So they spin it as, oh, we give back 94% of the profit. So and yeah, I believe it is 6% of, of everything that they take in. So the Fed actually makes money off all this stuff, but they print money out of thin air, buy up these assets, buy up corporate bonds. They now are the highest lien holder to the corporation. So if the corporation defaults, then the Fed owns the corporation, but they never had the money to begin with. And that is, I mean, I would say it's actually more fascism than communism, but you know, we're really splitting hairs at this point. But you know, it's, it's really, you know, as, as a guy who, you know, has been deep in Federal Reserve stuff, you know, for the past, you know, probably 15 years. It's just, it's, it's just very crazy to think that, you know, we are actually at this point. I knew we'd get to this point, but, you know, the fact that, you know, even just a year ago, they said this stuff wasn't going to happen. And now, you know, it, now it's, I mean, even just months ago, people said this stuff wouldn't happen. Now the Federal Reserve's QE program, so QE5. Wait, before, we, before we get into that, I kind of see it more of like a Chinese system that we're slowly creeping into. Because if you look at China, they also just kind of play by their own rules, but prioritize kind of the benefit of, of the country and the very few who run the country and their friends. And I think that's exactly what we're heading in. I mean, how is this not going to have hyperinflation? There's trillions of dollars printed. No one's creating goods. No one's creating services. I mean, that's obviously going to create inflation. How, what I mean, how is that avoidable here? Uh, and then also, what do you make of Donald Trump's tweet where he's going to make a decision which way to go, whether to save the economy or to save people who are immune compromised or people who are uh, you know, elderly. Well, yeah, I think, I, Luke, I think even the more important point in that tweet was when he said something along the lines of let's make sure that the cure isn't worse. I forgot what he said, that the cure isn't worse, worse than- Cannot the, let the cure be worse than the problem itself. That's because right now the cure is way worse. I mean, this is, this is every, I mean, the fact that I've, and, and I saw it in the comments of like, oh, hey, this guy, you know, he wanted Hillary. No, I didn't. I, I did, I, as, as a private individual, as a nobody, I went out in August 2017, created a liberty advisor, actually, was libertarian advisor, and I, and I got pissed off the Libertarian Party and switched it, but made so many sacrifices to try to make sure that this guy got in there. And then, and then the main thing I didn't want him to do was try to keep this bubble going. He went, went in there, picked Jerome Powell. That was the day I got off the Trump train because I knew that Jerome Powell was a swamp monster. And, and remind me to get into Steve Mnuchin in a little bit so we could talk about his swamp monster connections. And then to see, to, I mean, I literally had a presentation. So if you guys can go to my YouTube channel, uh, this was originally made January 2017 called The Trump Effect and Why Good News is Bad News. The premise was that Trump would be so much better than Hillary that then you'd see the stock market get lifted up. You'd see all this hope and prosperity. But then the Federal Reserve would then lose the ability to come up with, because they kept, under Obama, things were so bad, they always had an excuse not to raise rates. Well, if it was the greatest economy ever, and to some extent, Trump shot himself in the foot by talking about how great things were, then the Fed lost the excuse to cut rates. So then they had to start raising rates. Then the raising of the rates, I said, would then cause the bond bubble to pop. And when the bond bubble popped, that would then cause the stock market to drop. So that's what we saw in Q4 of 2018. And then uh, came out with a video saying when they're, they're going to start cutting rates. There was a 2% chance of a rate cut in December of 2018 for all of 2019. And now the rates are back at zero. Uh, the, that crisis that should have uh, started launching in Q4 of 2018 was delayed a year, sucked in a whole bunch of people. And the important part is I made money on the way up. 
and protect the people on the way down. And uh, not that that's important, but I also wanted to stop all this. I'm not happy that Donald Trump is going to lose in, uh, in November. I'm not happy that we're going into communism. I'm not happy that you know, the Fed's going to come in to buy everything and that all my worst fears are coming true. It's just like this gallows humor of saying, you know, of, of when you've been trying to stop this for so long and now we're actually here. It's just, it's, I don't take pleasure in any of this. So I just want people who are listening right now to know that, I don't, that I've sacrificed a lot to be here there's, and this is not something that I'm happy about because the end game is very bad. And the end game is, according to Neil Kashikari, says the Fed has infinite, infinite, infinite amount of cash. We create it electronically. And um, he's, I believe he's the Minneapolis Fed, uh, Fed governor. And he was asked in a 60 Minutes interview, are we in a recession? He's asked to start the interview. If we're not right now, we will be soon. My base, my base case scenario is, well, at least have a mild recession like after 9-11. The worst case would be we'd have a deep recession like the 2008 financial crisis. We just don't know right now, Kashkari says. Nobody blames how the, nobody knows how the virus is going to progress. He continues scapegoating the medical community and laying the blame on the bursting of the biggest asset bubble on the virus. Which that's the thing is it, this had nothing to do. Of course, the bubble got the pin. This was the pin. Uh, the virus is the pin that popped the bubble. But this was a massive bubble on so many different scales. And one of those biggest bubbles that was going on was the collateralized debt obligations. Was the uh, was all the different uh, mortgage-backed bonds? You've got and, and this was a video that John Snice and I, who was on yesterday that we did it about a month ago on the CDOs. And we even went to the Bank of International Settlements website, which you know, Luke and I should do a video on that one time, just going over the Bank of International Settlements, which is actually the central bank of the central banks that sits above the Fed. And uh, I just read a book on that. So I think that would be a fantastic subject to talk about at some point, but not today. So I'll tease you guys with that. But, but take a look at where things are going. This is where things are going. This is a chart showing the Bank of Japan's percent ownership of their ETF market. An ETF is a, basically a stock fund where instead of owning one stock, you own like all you own, like the entire S&P 500, or you own all mid cap stocks or all foreign stocks or all stocks of this or that. So in Japan, you can see that they're coming in and basically buying up everything. And I've been saying for a very long time that that is, that is fascism. When you, have the when you have the state coming in and then buying the bonds of the corporation, that is the merger of the state and corporation, which is actual fascism. So where's Antifa talking about that? And, and the other thing is this is a massive, massive bailout to a lot of these mutual funds, a lot of these index funds, a lot of, a lot of hedge fund managers, because now the Fed is going to step in and buy ETFs. And then it's listing one here, LQD. This is not investment recommendations. The SEC has all these stupid laws because I am a financial advisor. And if I even mention something, I've got to give all these little provisos. So there you go in case they end up auditing this. So in the secondary market, corporate debt issued by eligible issuers, what is more interesting is that the SPV special purpose vehicle will purchase eligible individual corporate bonds, as well as eligible bond portfolios in the form of exchange traded funds in the secondary market. So right now we've got bond prices at all time highs historically. And so instead, so what should happen in a free market is all these people that got greedy, bought all these bonds that shouldn't have bought those bonds because anyone with two cents in their mind would know that that was a terrible investment. So now what the Fed is doing and stepping in and buying these bonds that are super over overvalued, and instead of having the free market uh, clear, the, clear this out, and having the bond vigilantes come in, what is going to then what is now happening is they are getting 100 cents on the dollar and get it. This is a huge, huge bailout, but it's a bailout of pension funds, bailout of hedge fund managers, bailout of you know probably a lot of you know your individual investors out there as well, and certainly a bailout of Wall Street. And now we've got a buyback backlash yeah. begins. I guess yeah, try saying that three times fast. The Fed will limit buybacks and dividends for companies using its credit facility. 
at the borrower's election, all or a portion of the interest due and payable on each interest payment may be payable in kind for six months. And a borrower that makes this election may not pay dividends or buy stockbacks during the period that is not paying interest. Now, during my presentation to Anarcha Poco, which is also you guys can find on my, on my YouTube channel, I, this was a major thing that I was going through. I had a chart that showed the percentage of ownership that, that was going on in terms of buybacks. I had all, a bunch of charts showing buybacks. And a lot of the, the investment growth of the past decade has been the corporations themselves buying back their own stock. Over half, it was almost exactly half of all the free cash flow, the S&P 500 companies went to buying back their own stock. It didn't go to you know, research and development. It didn't go to a rainy day fund, which is why all these ballots are occurring. And so these people got paid billions of dollars. And you know, where's my ballot? Where, where's your ballot who's, who's watching this right now? And, and so this is really pisses me off. And, uh, and, and, and there's some people, big wigs out there right now uh, that think that this is much more dangerous than 2008. I mean, I think this is more dangerous than 2008 because it's a bigger, bigger bubble. But the Bank of England, Governor King, says that this crisis is worse than 2008. And here he goes on to say, I think this is much more serious and much more difficult to cope with. He told the BBC in the financial crisis, we were dealing with a relatively small number of financial institutions. We knew broadly what we had to do. In this case, the situation is extremely uncertain. I don't think words like recession or depression are helpful in this context in order to deal with the health crisis. The government is deliberately pressing down on economic activity. And at some point there will be a rebound. Now, here are 23 million jobs uh, that are in immediate dangers from the coronavirus. And if you take a look at these jobs, these are really the type of jobs that you know the you know the Obama regime and the Trump regime are really you know uh, getting the past uh, past excuse me decade. And if you take a look at this, uh, you know full service restaurant employees, temporary help, uh, you know entertainment, hospitality, and for the most part, I mean obviously it is a tragedy that people are going to lose their jobs, but these are not amazing types of jobs. And these are the types of jobs the economy was producing. And we did talk about in our video yesterday how the unemployment rate has been changed throughout the years. And one of the ways back in the, you know, certainly, certainly like the 50s, 60s, 70s, and definitely in like the 20s when they try to compare this stuff to, if you, let's say, were an engineer and, or a doctor, and then all of a sudden now you had to become a janitor, they would actually count you as being unemployed because you were working well, way below what you should be doing. Or nowadays, if you've got to, you know, you should be in a job, I don't say, you know, should be like anyone has a right to anything, but if you, you know, have a, have a doctor and now you're waiting tables and, and have a lift drive and you're a lift driver, they'll actually count that as two jobs to the economy, even though, uh, whereas in the old days, they would actually count that as being unemployed. Lots of other ways they do that too. I've got a whole book that I have and all this stuff. It's free. Uh, and here we go. So we've got also have a bunch of bailouts going on. As Wait, a, before, before we get into that, yeah, I mean, this is why there's, there's you know, Trump toting the, the, the numbers. They're like, we're doing great on the economy. Look how many people have jobs. And it's like, yeah, we're living in a gig economy. And, and in reality, what we're seeing is our wealth being eviscerated from us as the people who are close in with government to take advantage of it. I mean, it's pretty ridiculous what's happening out there. Small businesses are told to close, and then the government is rewarding the bad behavior that puts us at this very risky financial situation that we're in on. The, the United States right now is entering into the most dangerous monetary experiment ever. And all of this is because of the bad behavior that's being rewarded. Again, $450 billion out of $500 billion, that one time, that one program, exempt from disclosure, all given out by the, the Treasury Secretary, Stephen Mnuchin, uh, Goldman, uh, Goldman Sachs guy, George Soros guy, Donald Trump said drain the swamp. He said he's half globalist, 
half nationalist. Well, this time he's acting like a full globalist. And Steve Munition and, and all his friends, whoever he wants to, will give out billions and billions of dollars indebting this country, ruining this country as they're printing money carelessly as everyone else is screwed. And, and they might give you a little check for $3,000 per family, but uh, it's absolutely nothing compared to the real highway robbery uh, that's happening on Wall Street right now. That's happening with all these risky bad people that put us in this really bad situation that they're profiting off of and then they're giving themselves bonuses this is 2008 all over again but on steroids that should probably be the title of the video <laughs> that we just did right now uh tim am i am i correct or, or incorrect but because this signals a very distressing time um economically this is a perfect time to to join up with you though to work with you on this channel uh because you have a full grasp of this more than i do yeah, no, cer certainly for that. And what I would like to say is, you know, because I, unfortunately, because of shadow banning, uh, I had a decent Facebook presence, but not on YouTube. So, I mean, if you guys can give me some love, come down here. There's a speech and presentation section. This was given in February at Anarchapoco. Goes over, basically, is like a presser for everything that is going on right now. And a lot, of, I need to now make like the second version of this because so much stuff in this has changed. This video has 20 views. Uh, now, I had a lot more on Facebook, but it's called the Trump Effect. And my goodness, is bad news. January 2017, basically predicted everything. Pensions will fail. This was, I was training for an Ironman, biking to my friend Ernie's house. They, their speaker backed out. And I just, on a just complete stream of consciousness, went on like an hour rant about the pensions. That one, I mean, this was like two years ago. And, and all this stuff has now come to pass. So, and I only say this, I don't say this gleefully, is that in, in order to know where we're, where we're going, you have to know that somebody knew how, how we got here to begin with. And all these guys in CNBC and Fox Business, and I'm not trying to you know just brag about this it's just i'm just trying to paint the picture of you can't listen to these guys especially the federal reserve they've been wrong and everything and and i mean it's just so maddening and so yep. frustrating to, to know that i want to help people out and that you know, there's so many things that could have been done but everything they're doing is getting us further and further into this and you had mentioned that there was steve mnuchin steve mnuchin was actually partners with george soros and so they had so in 2009 a group led by mnuchin bought california base residential lender IndyMac. So they were, you know, big in the, uh, you know, the 2008, uh, you know, they played a big part in that, which had been received, which was in receivership by, by the FDIC and owned $23.5 billion in commercial loans and mortgage-backed securities. The purchase price was $4.7 billion, or at a discount of $4.7 billion. And Mnuchin's investment group included George Soros, and then also John Paulson and a bunch of other, uh, you know, Goldman Sachs connected yeah. people. So this guy is a swamp monster, Luke. Yeah. Let's just give him all the money. He's going to decide what to do with it secretly, not tell anyone, and everything's going to be fine and dandy. You know, you know it's, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Uh, this is truly one of the more kind of globalist sides of, of Donald Trump. Uh, and, and again, you can't trust the banksters. You can't trust the politicians, especially the politicians that knew the storm was coming. And what did they do? They didn't tell us. They sold their stocks, <laughs> leaving you with the pooch being just screwed. Uh, that's my assessment on it. Uh, a lot to keep up on. We're going to be reporting more on this in this specific channel. Check out Tim's channel. Check out my channel. We're going to be very busy today. I mean, it's a crazy time. We're trying to make sure we're safe first, and then we're trying to provide as much information as we can, on, uh, can to you. So stay tuned for more here on Change the News channel.
just blocked the corona stimulus package. A trillion dollar bill. And of course, this is being politicized. But me and Tim Pichot will talk about the larger ramifications of this, especially regarding an economic impact. Now, a lot of people vying for power, trying to use this crisis to benefit themselves. I mean, uh, what else is new? That That's modern politics here. But let me give you the little details here. This new bill took three days of negotiations to push forward. The Senate Democrats blocked it. And now, just moments ago, they blocked a vote that was supposed to happen early Monday morning, this month, this morning. And they're not allowing it to go through because of many different provisions. And they're able to do this, even though they don't have the majority, because other Republicans, senators, well, they're they're sick or they're quarantining themselves. So very, very strange situation. And according to Mitch McConnell, who of course is in the Senate, he's saying that the Democrats are pissed off because they can't get their wish list done of, quote, this is what the Democrats want. This is why they're not allowing this kind of stimulus UBI bill to pass through because one, they're citing tax deductions to solar and wind energy companies, <laughs> workplace provisions sought by organized labor, and new emission standards for the airlines. That's according to Mitch McConnell to why the Democrats are blocking this coronavirus stimulus bill. Uh, what do you think, Tim, about this UBI stimulus bill that the Democrats don't want, that Steve Munition, the, the Treasury Secretary, is begging everyone to pass through right now? What's your make of it? Well, I guess first, it's probably a good idea to probably get into actually what is in the bill. I think that that's, that's going to be important. So if we go over here and take a look at what's actually in the bill, and uh, the Democrats block the Senate coronavirus bill, calling it a corporate ballot. So uh, the main things right now that are in the bill, actually, let's first go to this article. What the Family First Coronavirus Relief Bill means for small business owners and self-employed people. And so I like the, the name. I like the name of it. Family First. Uh, but then there's also other corporate bailouts in there as well, right? Yeah, it's family first, but you know, 90% of it's for the, uh, for the corporations. But you know, the main highlights here is the April 15th tax return filing deadline was deferred three months. So now... Uh, we've got July 15th is a new extended date. We also have the new law requires small employers. So that's those with fewer than 500 employees to provide limited paid leave benefits to employees who are affected by the coronavirus emergency. And small employers are given new tax credits and federal payroll tax relief to pay for the mandatory benefits. The act also requires emergency paid sick leave. And then it's just like, how are we going to pay for all this stuff? It is limited to $511 per day for up to 10 days, up to $5,110 in total. For all eligible employee in coronavirus quarantines or seeking a coronavirus diagnosis, an employee, so you can just say, oh, hey, I'm, I, I think I might have coronavirus or let's just go proactively test and then you're out of work for 10 days and then the employer has to pay for it. Who knows? So an employee can also receive emergency paid sick leave up to $200 per day for up to 10 days, 2000 bucks in total to care for a quarantined family member or child whose school or child care location has been closed due to the pandemic. The act also requires that small business employees be given the right to take up to 12 weeks of job protected family leave if the employee or a family member is in a coronavirus quarantine or if the school or child location of the employee's child is closed due to the coronavirus the employer must pay at least two thirds of the employee's usual pay up to a maximum of 200 bucks a day and uh, overall employee maximum of $10,000 in paid leave payments. Now there's also some uh, small employer tax credits involved in this as well. 
And specifically, a small employer can collect tax credits equal to 100% of the qualified emergency sick leave and family leave payments made by the employer pursuant to the act. And uh, yeah, and this does start the beginning date of this will be in 15 days of the March 18th date uh, for this act to become law. So I guess if you happen to be affected by this, let's say in February or in January, because the Chinese were lying about this, then I guess you are SOL and, uh, you know, sucks to be you, unfortunately. And yeah, so then, you know, going along here, we also have small employers get some FICA tax relief and the, uh, the uh, sick leave and family leave payments mandated by the act are exempt from the 6.2% social security tax. So for every hundred thousand bucks, you're saving $6,200 there, but you still have to pay the 1.45% Medicare tax. And one thing I want to point out that a lot of people aren't aware of that Medicare is actually a much bigger uh, unfunded liability and a much bigger problem for this country than, uh, than Social Security. So I guess you just solve the problem by uh, making it Medicare for all and making it an even bigger problem. Uh, but we do have you know, you know, pretty comparable uh, credits are gonna be available to self-employed individuals as well. So for them, the credit is equal to 100% of the self-employed person's sick leave, equivalent to 67% of the sick leave uh, equivalent for taking care of family members. And then uh, the other thing we've got going, so if we skip through and actually go through and talk about uh, you know, some of the corporate bailouts that are going on in the bill, and this is the reason why the, uh, the Democrats are blocking this, but going on to this article from Huffington Post, which you know, again, I'm not you know, a huge Huffington Post fan, but the Democrats are raising serious concerns about the Senate's massive emergency legislation aimed at propping up the economy and giving relief to workers hit hard by the coronavirus. Mitch McConnell attempted to advance the bill on Sunday evening and emphasized we need to move quickly to help those who have been laid off during the crisis. And it sort of reminds me of, you know, Nancy Pelosi. We've got to pass the bill to find out what's in the bill because obviously the, it's always about the opposite of whatever they name these things. And, uh, you know, Mitch McConnell goes on to say, we're fiddling here, fiddling with the emotions of the American people, fiddling with the markets and fiddling with our health care. And he was visibly frustrated, as he said, on the Senate floor. And then uh, Chucky Schumer goes on to say, uh, meanwhile, his party's opposed to moving forward because there's a lot of huge bailouts in here. And now they go on to say that because of Rand Paul uh, getting coronavirus, they need to move faster and need to be more urgent. And uh, this proposal costs over a trillion dollars, includes hundreds of billion dollars in loans from small businesses, many of which have been forced to close to fight the spread of the highly contagious uh, virus. It would also make a direct cash payment to the majority of Americans. So this is the, you know, about 3000 bucks for every family of four. So Democrats are unhappy with the portion of the bill aimed at helping distressed industries with at least $450 billion in loans. The massive fund would be controlled by the Treasury Department and could, would include bailouts to hotels, casinos, cruise lines, and the oil and gas industries. It also includes virtually no restrictions on how that money would be distributed allowing properties owned directly by President Donald Trump to receive a ballot, for example, according to Democratic aid. And actually, just, uh, just yesterday, we did report on the fact that uh, you know, Trump was saying that he wasn't opposed to taking some of this ballot for himself. And uh, I guess I can't blame him if, if you know, they're going to be giving away money, but you know, the fact that he's you know, partially in control of how the money gets loaned out. And, and Luke did go on to say that, uh, you know, that this money, that we don't know where it's going to be, and I know that even with all the repo money is there's a two year hold and all that. So we don't even know where that money is going for, for two years. But another provision in the bill is that Democrats would oppose allowing Mnuchin to delay publicly releasing the names of businesses that receive a bailout as well as amounts of those loans for six months. So they don't like the fact that this is all going to be hidden for six months, which is in addition to the repo that's hidden for two years. And uh, yeah, they, what they, and this is actually the most important, I think, sticking point for the Democrats is 
We're not here to create a slush fund for Donald Trump and his family or a slush fund for the Treasury Department to be able to hand out money to their friends, said Elizabeth Warren. Uh, uh, obviously, we know her as Pocahontas. We're here to help workers. We're here to help hospitals. And right now, the Republicans' propose, proposal does neither one of those things. And uh, the Democrats have leverage over the final bill because it requires 60 votes for passage in the Senate, and Republicans only have 53 seats in the House. And remember, we've got Rand Paul, who's, who's out right now. And so, Rand Paul um, and five other Republicans who were quarantining themselves. Rand Paul, who was tested positive for the coronavirus. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing is that this that there's no transparency. So we don't we won't know for six months in this bill, which I think is complete BS. So you know, if you want my money, that's really not even my money. It's like my great grandchildren down the road. It's their money that you guys want, and we don't even get to know it for six months. So you know, it's no no surprise that. And I and I I saw something else the other day where I think it was Lindsey Graham who you know when he's not trying to you know help protect the children with his uh you know trying to take away encryption, he's also saying that they could that the feds could actually underwrite seventy up to seventy percent of all America's payroll over the next few months. And uh, you know a lot of people think that this is just going to be a quick you know two weeks. Hey, shut it down. Boeing is actually shutting things down for two weeks in um in uh up in washington state and so you know a lot of people think oh hey you know this is a two-week thing we're just gonna get through this and then everything's gonna be all right but there's so many uh you know economic bubbles that we had that you guys can see from my anarchopoco presentation that all these bubbles are being ignited at once and then those bubbles are then igniting other bubbles and the whole thing is just this is a big everything bubble and uh this is just a gigantic mess and this is not going to be as easy to to clean up and we could have the markets soaring higher uh, just because the Fed comes in and buys everything. But if the average person, if 90% of Americans don't have, you know, basically any stock even worth anything, uh, you know, let's say you've got, you know, 50,000 bucks in there. Okay. Who, who cares if the market soars, you know, okay, great. The market goes up 30%. And now you've got, uh, you know, just a tiny bit more money than you had before. It's not that big, not that big of a deal. You know, the average Americans living paycheck to paycheck out there and 3000 bucks. Okay, great. You know, that's going to help, uh, you know, with a tiny bit of the bills. But, you know, that's going to be gone before and that money is spent before it even gets to them. And, and most importantly, Tim, I just wanted to point out here the kind of UBI, universal basic income. This is a kind of perspective that not a lot of people are, are taking. Maybe instead of giving something, maybe they should stop taking it away since, of course, they just proved this week that they could just do whatever they want, print as much money as they want. And uh, nothing really matters in this fairy tale land where math doesn't add up and they just literally make stuff up out of thin air. And also, well, it's Common Core math, so it does add up. So yeah. they, just, they just change the rules. Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially when you look at like this $3,000 per family, $500 per child UBI, uh, it's absolutely just pennies on the dot. It's nothing. It's nothing compared to the bigger crimes that are happening on Wall Street, the bigger takeaways that they're able to get. And of course, these larger, bigger industries. I mean, uh, we got to understand a lot of these industries that are getting rewarded for this bad behavior. They're the ones responsible for being so risky. They're the ones responsible for putting the United States economy in such a vulnerable position where, where again, it's going to be reeling with the slightest hint of any kind of problem. So, so to me, this is important perspective that I think people should kind of talk about. I mean, Steve, Steve uh, Mnuchin, the Treasury Secretary, I mean, he's all over the, the media now saying, we need to pass this today. Uh, it's nearly, you know, $2 trillion, uh, a lot of secrecy in there, a lot of other bailouts in there. Yes, there's some moves that will help individual people, but at, at, at the larger kind of scale of this, 
this is nothing compared to the kind of actual socialism that's happening on Wall Street. I know people are desperate for anything, but you also have to understand that these are the people robbing you blind uh, at the same time. So if they give you out a little handout, yes, you know, this is a tough position because you know, it's it's not a time to play politics. A lot of people are suffering. And then let's let's be honest here. Some people legitimately will be helped by this bill. Um, but uh, I kind of wanted to leave it to the audience members. Uh, what do you think? Uh, should this bill be passed? Should this bill not be passed? Uh, what are the overlining circumstances in this kind of make-believe world of fake economics uh, where nothing really adds up and nothing really matters anymore? Anything else you want to kind of take away from uh, this bill and this larger takeaway, uh, Tim? No, just, uh, you know, 3000 bucks is 3000 bucks. So if you give it to me from money that you already stole from me, then okay. But, uh, you yeah. know, it's just all on a road to road to hyperinflation, but we might actually see deflation before we get there. That's a subject of a whole nother video. But yeah, this is more of the same that we throw the chicken feed out to the people, the big banksters and Wall Streeters and hedge fund managers, they get all the profits. And I'm not some socialist. It sounds like a socialist rhetoric, but I work in the stock market, but I just hate all this crony capitalism. I also have put options. So I mean, I sort of hope it still keeps going down, but, uh, but, it, but it's not because I hope it going down because we need to pop this bubble. It doesn't need to be papered over. So then that way, even more people get sucked in and then more devastation and more loss occurs because all that happened in 2008 is we blew a bigger bubble and now more people are getting roped in. It was more highly leveraged. You know, we weren't the ones telling them to do stock buybacks. We weren't the ones who were getting all this stuff levered, levered up. And now, you know, the typical thing is that the rich are getting richer. They get to, you know, a lot of smaller companies will go out of business. The big ones who get the access to money first for nothing will then be able to swoop in, buy up the bonds of those, uh, of, of those companies and then own those companies. Or maybe it's just the Fed who's now owning those companies. So we're, it's a precarious position. This is, you know, everything that, you know, so many Austrian economists and, you know, Mises people have been warning about for, for years and years and years and decades. Ron Paul this is the whole reason he got into Congress. And uh, this is the end game. This is the end game. Make no, make no bones about it. Uh, and there's a few ways that this can end and all of them are not going to be pretty. Chicken feed, I think, is definitely the right kind of uh, description here, Tim. So totally agree with you on that note. But 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 again, uh, you know, I, I think a better idea is how about we, we just stop stealing from people and, and you guys do your little crony capitalism. Let people uh, diversify in many different ways, have different assets. Uh, stand out. Stand, stand, st I think standing away would have been a better result rather than the people who created this major mess throwing a little bit of uh, chicken scrap towards you. So, I, maybe, I, yeah. Maybe, maybe we can call this, uh, and you guys will let me know how, how this is a bad dad joke here, but uh, the, this is Caroni uh, capitalism. <laughs> Good, that's bad. <laughs> they, they literally, like imagine you're a chicken. They, they lit up the chicken coop on fire. They, 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 they lit up your whole house on fire, right? You, you scramble outside, you're burnt. Like you're, you're, almost, you're almost at the Popeye store, the KFC store. And then, and then, you know, the, 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 the farmer comes up and just like throws you a little bit of food. That's essentially what's happening right now. Um, hey, some of those people will need some food, but at what cost? Let me know what you guys really think of the description in, in the comments below because we would love your feedback. Tim, thank you so much for joining me and stay tuned for more here on The Change, the news channel. What was the, the tagline that Ernie Hancock wanted us to use? Do you want to you wanna finish it off and then we'll end it here? Change the news, be the news. I don't know. Maybe. What do you guys think? Let them know. Let us know. It's a work, it's a work in progress. <laughs> yeah. At the at the illegal party that we're at with more than twenty more than ten people. <laughs>